Look at our pet chat team uh, here, ready to go. Uh, Dr. Fiona, you've been here for the last couple of weeks, but you've Hello. kind of you've kind of had uh, your hand held a little bit today. You're our vet, so it's all over. I know. So uh, everybody that will have their pet questions, <laughs> we hope to get not some nice easy ones, but the difficult ones as well. Sounds good. All right, we'll we'll see what we come up with. Now, Cheryl Shaw, as always, good afternoon to you. Hello, Mark. Now, we're on brooch watch again, but I have a look now. The one that you're wearing today seems to have a bit of dust on it because it's been there from last week. Oh, Mark, you didn't pay attention last week. I had a completely different one on. No, it was the same one. No, it wasn't. It It looks the same. It was an antique one last week. It was a vase with some little um, weeds in it. And now I've got a bird amongst the weeds. Okay. (laughs) And and uh, that will be symbolising your topic today. It will. Which is? It's going to be about feeding birds some grasses. So collecting free food for your pet. All right. Sounds pretty good. They look the same anyway. Look very, very similar. And good afternoon, Laurel at Clarence Town. Uh, your two ragdoll cats have uh, got some dietary issues. What's happening, Laurel? Hi, good afternoon. Okay. They're both inside cats. Um, they're on dry food of Royal Cannon. Yep. And wet food is a bit of a, a variety. They have graze on dry food throughout the day. Mm-hmm. They have wet food at night only. Um, yep. So both my cats have reasonably long hair. So mm-hmm. they're vomiting their fur up, yep. fur balls. And occasionally they're also vomiting their food up. So Okay. Would you say that they're well and happy in themselves? Yes. And have they always done that vomiting? Basically, yes. Okay. I mean, certainly long-haired cats, cats love grooming themselves um, and a byproduct of that is eating fur. Um, Sometimes if they groom themselves too much or if they are long hair or have thick hair, that fur can build up and end up coming back as a vomit. Um, There are certain hairball variety foods that might be worth looking at for you. Uh, to see if that helps. And the other thing potentially you can do, which may or may not suit you, but you can get certain nutritional supplements that can just help that that um, fur pass through their guts. And okay. if the other op- option, which may or may not work for you, but you can actually get them groomed as well, which okay. it decreases your total fur load. So see how you go with that. If they're otherwise well and happy, it's probably not the end of the world, except obviously finding the vomits on the, on the carpet. carpet. <laughs> Yeah. I am using the furball dry food from mm-hmm. Royal Cannon and I'm also using that paste. I don't know the name of it. It's oh, yeah, there's a the couple tube. you can get, yep. Yeah, yeah, it's got a caramel-type flavour and I, I do that regularly with them as well to help them pass the... Okay. If you the brush them or groom them, does that help decrease it? Um, not really, no, no. Okay. All right. It, wait, it may well be something that that is part of owning ragdolls, um, but if you do want to get them groomed, that would be another option potentially to try or to increase the amount of the um, supplement that you're giving them as well. All right. Thank you very much, Laurel. Best of luck with, with all of that. 49216216 if you have a question for our Pet Chat team uh, this afternoon right here at 2NURFM. And Cheryl, that topic will be ready in a couple of minutes, won't it? You're ready. Thank you. Cheryl Shaw still here, and Cheryl, this one's kind of for the birds, isn't it? It certainly is. You know, we don't realise just what happens in spring. We hear that little thing at the beginning of spring, you know, spring has sprung, the grass has risen, I wonder where the birdie is. 
Well, we know where the birdie is. They're down eating the grasses because at this time of the year, we've got lots and lots of the winter grass uh, and spring grasses are actually seeding. And so the birds really gain a lot of um, nutrition from these grasses. But a lot of pet owners, so the birds that are in our cages or aviaries, we often just feed commercial um, bird seed and this actually isn't a great thing to do. We need to make sure that we're supplementing the bird's food. Birds that are just fed seed um, often have things lacking and also they can become quite obese because they're feeding just on these seeds. So to help their health and to actually um, give them something that's free, you can start collecting different seed heads from your garden or the verges. Just making sure that you haven't sprayed anything obviously is going to be important. But there's lots of different um, seeds that you can gather and feed them to the birds. Some of them have other um, vitamins and minerals in them as well. So sometimes there's, there's different um, types of plants that when you feed will give them vitamin C. And this is really important. So things like chickweed, that's a really wonderful plant to feed your birds. It's a very soft um, green um, leafed weed but um, not only can birds eat it but people can put it in their salads as well but they'd have little seed heads on it and that's a really really good vitamin supplement for birds. Um, dandelions now they're the super super um, food they're a fantastic um, feed to give to your bird you can give that the, um, the, the seed heads, the flower, they can eat the leaves, they can even eat the roots. And if you are pulling out some plants from the ground, don't rinse the roots off. You can actually leave a little bit of dirt on it because they often, like budgies and canaries, they can get some minerals from that dirt. So it's not something that they're going to, um, it's going to affect them. So it can actually aid their health. Um, some of the other ones, there's... Um, the um, the velt grasses now they're a type of poa and they have really good seed heads on them and not only will they eat the seed but they'll eat the fleshy leaves you can even give them the roots so just go around and see what you've got the th thistles are another one that is really um, loved by birds so sometimes the thistle flower will have little aphids on it you don't need to rinse that off either because um, again birds will eat that and that will actually aid their um, digestion as well so gathering seeds and you know just sort of giving them an offering to your bird you might have a bird that has a, a fancy for one or other type of plant but try to give them a varied diet just so that it can help um, you know making sure that we're keeping them in peak condition I think we've we've all learned something with that, Cheryl. And, and one thing that, that that really stuck out for me was that not getting rid of all of the dirt necessarily from the from the roots yeah. when you pick them up off the ground. Yeah, because you've just got those minerals that are going to be there that, that they may not be getting in in their other part of their diet. I mean, it just depends what you're feeding. Some people do give their birds apples and things like this, but it's you know it's just so easy to go outside, do a little bit of weeding, and give that to your birds, and it's going to really improve their immunity. There are some um, plants that will actually help um, bring out colour in the bird's feathering and also um, help with fertility. So clover. Clover is really good for fertility. So if you're wanting to be breeding birds, feeding them clover. I know one of my canaries, he doesn't eat the clover. If I put it in his cage, he just leaves out and eats the things like the, the thistle that he really likes. So some are fussy a little bit eater. fussy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just making sure that we're, we're really giving them a variety of different um, weeds from our garden and that will definitely improve their health. Dr. Fiona, looks like we've got a couple of calls. We'll get to you in a minute. So you ready? You're fired up to get back into the... 
the pet conversations? Absolutely. All right, that's a positive yes. And Cheryl, you were talking a little earlier about birds and, uh, you know, some of the bird seeds and and all of that. You've just been mentioning some of the great uh, birds that have been popping into your house. It would just near your house for spring. We've got a lot of garden area and um, we've got some locust trees. And at the moment, the king parrots are visiting that and eating the fruit. Also, the eastern rosellas, they're just grazing on the lawn, which is really good because they're getting those seed heads, which we were just talking about. And the magpies, they're just so busy as well. So it's really wonderful just watching the Mm. birds and and having them visit. There's lots of really happy little birds around at the moment because there's so much food for them. The other thing that uh, we're just about to pop into at the moment because we've been hearing a few folks talk about this is magpie swooping season. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, any tips for handling all of that? You know, I saw a guy on a push bike the other day and he had um, cable tyres sticking yeah. out. That looked yes. really funny. Yes. But, um, you yes. know, it's effective apparently. Look, mm. whatever gets the job done, I mm. suppose. I mean, it's just it's just a fact of life, isn't it, at this time of year? You just have to, you know, They're know just they. doing what they do to protect yeah. their you babies. Know, magpies are really interesting because they have facial recognition. So mm. if you are living, you know, that lives in your environment, they won't attack you. So it's only the ones who don't know you as you're passing by that will attack Mm. Which is probably why you see every year there's always a story uh, in a paper on the news or somewhere where somebody has like, oh, no, the magpies come and feed in our yard and, you know, they come up to, into the house and we give them water and all that. Maybe they just, you're in a way, you're part of their extended family almost. Yeah, you're part of their environment, so they can recognise you. But please don't go feeding them. Let them do their own work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't want them around. Whether we're fixing up your dog, your cat, your pet snake, uh, your pet husband, whatever it happens to be. If you only got some tips there, we could. Ah, uh, no. Uh, no. Right. <laughs> One thing we do love to do, though, is uh, give you the chance to extend your pet family a little bit. And uh, we do that with the dog of the week. So if you're thinking about adding uh, a pet to your uh, extended family, why not consider. Stella, and we've got some info on her up at our webpage. We'll give you the info on that in a little while. A two-year-old wolfhound cattle dog cross, um, and apparently on the smaller side for this type of breed, under 40 kilos. Plenty of personality, though, uh, and uh, loves uh, loves playing around, all the rest of that. Um, also, you can join in with her bouncing, spinning, handsy, bitey face type of play. So that might give you an indication of the type of family you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in foster care, uh, loving uh, the, the foster brothers around her. She, now, she also has, Cheryl, you were talking earlier on about um, the birds that are a little bit sort of upmarket with their eating. Uh, Stella will enjoy kangaroo as well as uh, chicken and beef. So um, fair enough. Uh, This type of uh, breed, Fiona, some hints and tips for those who are looking at Stella and going, she looks lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I think Stella would be perfect, but in particular situations. Um, I think you would need a lot of space or potentially a lot of time and effort to exercise and mentally stimulate her. Sounds like she loves playing with other dogs, but you'd probably want similar size dogs to her, I think. She likes quite likes a rough and tumble. Uh, so if you had a dog that was looking for a rough and tumble type companion, I think she'd be perfect. Um, obviously, being a larger dog, potentially she's got the, um, you know, her innocent tail wag or innocent run through the house at a million miles an hour may knock little people over. 
Um, but yeah, in the right situation, in the right house, in the right family, she'd be fantastic. Yeah, and from the dog's point of view, she's just not being over the top. She's just doing what she would do for a dog her size oh, and age. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, a Chihuahua wagging its tail doesn't have the potential to knock much over, but a mm. Great Dane wagging its tail could take most of us out. <laughs> I reckon. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. If you uh, would like to investigate uh, Stella, and of course our previous dogs of the week as well, um, we've got all the information there up at our webpage to uh, newrfm.com.au. You find uh, Pet Chat, and then uh, the Dog of the Week opens up from there. Gang, we've been talking a little bit about some of the the things that are happening around spring. Of course, Cheryl, you mentioned the birds at your place, the magpies are buzzing around as well. <laughs> Doctor Fiona, for our pets though, like the rest of us, uh, that can also be allergies. Absolutely. Talking about spring has sprung. Um, mainly, I would say dog allergies is, is a more of a, an issue day-to-day than cat allergies. Um, but, yeah, dogs, they love swimming. They love getting in the dirt and getting wet. And wet, moist, hot skin is certainly a recipe for allergies, definitely. Um, you know, if you if your dog gets ear infections, if it's licking and biting its feet incessantly, it's probably not doing it to annoy you. It's probably doing it because it's irritating them. Um, so any any red skin, any itchy skin, any skin that they're licking, any recurrent infections is definitely something that your local vet can help with um, to provide them with relief. Um, and also hay fever, you know, sneezing, runny eyes. Uh, itchy skin, it can all be due to the wonderful season of spring. Look, it's not a joyous time. I mean, if, you, if you're if you an individual that's afflicted with all this sort of stuff, you yeah. know what it's about. Um, I'll just throw it out there. Are there certain breeds that are more susceptible or is it just luck of the draw? Look, there are certain breeds that are susceptible. What I would say is there's a massively, gen- there's a massive genetic component to allergies. Um, so if you've got dogs and you're thinking about breeding them, if they're allergic dogs, don't do it because you're going to be producing more dogs that have allergies. Um, so, yeah, often um, staffies are probably one that springs to mind. Um, Labradoodles are probably a little overrepresented as well. But there's lots of solutions um, and lots of ways we can, um, we can help them. All right, a couple of things to keep in mind there. 49216216 if you have a question uh, for our Pet Chat team today, whether it is uh, some of the things we've been talking about for spring or whether you've just been hit over the head by a magpie, um, <laughs> the things that are happening. We've got a couple of calls coming through now, so I believe we'll be trying to get to Christine in a moment. So uh, this will be another cat question. So all about cats and dogs today. Look, that's why I like it, so I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> a bit of everything. All right, good afternoon, Christine. There at Toronto, your 13-year-old cat has uh, some toilet problems. What's happening there, uh, Christine? Well, I only started about 12 months ago. She's 13, um, and she has a what we call an igloo. It's, a, it's an enclosed um, litter tray. Yeah. And she's been using that all the time, and then 12 months ago she decided, I'm going to do it outside, so... We thought oh, we put another litter tray down for her because we thought she may not be able to make it. She's mm-hmm. been an inside cat all her life. Um, but even the extra tray that we've got, she still goes to the litter tray, but she decides to do a business outside, and we're just wondering if there's anything we can do to help her. Yeah, sure. Look, good question, Christine. Uh, the history that you've given there that it's only sort of happened in the last 12 months or so, 
does lead me to be a little bit suspicious of whether we've got some arthritic pain, okay? Um, it's Cats are exceptionally good at hiding pain um, and it's often not until you fix the pain that you can actually realise how much it was affecting their movement. Um, if you've done things like provide another litter tray, uh, you could potentially try one with an even lower side to well, it in case well, it is this one this one actually is okay um it's not an enclosed one like we've got for her on the other side of the, the room mm-hmm. so and how high would you say room. how high would you say the edges are of it um maybe three four inches okay all right look so, for for a cat with potential arthritis which is in my mind, your most likely differential, that's quite a big gap. Because if you think about it yourself, that's that's as high as your cat's hips. So if right. you had to step over something as a 75-year-old person, as high as your hips, when mm. you put it in that perspective, it, it actually is quite a big um, movement for them. So right. I would certainly recommend having a discussion with your vet about what they think would be an appropriate thing to try. Because I'd be pretty confident that there's lots of things out there that would work. Right. Yeah, because she's, she's a very clean cat. She always has been. And yep. that's why it's a bit of a surprise. It was, yeah. It, and um, the fact that she's going near the litter tray implies that she's trying to do the right thing, um, mm-hmm. but just not quite getting there. All right, Christine, uh, thanks so much for that. Best of luck with uh, your 13-year-old cat there. And that's a, an interesting point, Fiona, is that um, like when, with uh, with Christine saying, look, the cat's always been pretty clean, mm. so that's what makes you seem a little bit out of character. But you said there that cats are just one of those type of animals that are pretty good at hiding pain. They are exceptional at hiding pain. And often there's particular things, particular questions that as a vet you'll ask and people don't think twice about their answer, but actually it's really significant for us. Um, like cats, for example, that used to jump up and down off the bench, but now they're going from the floor to the chair to the bench instead of going straight up or straight down. That's a real red flag for us. All right. Uh, thank you very much uh, to Christine. And uh, we've probably got time for one more. 49216216. Good afternoon, Bruce at Maryland, your 15-year-old cat. Uh, you want to talk about uh, your cat's claws today, Bruce? Yes, yes. Yes, well, I've had this cat. I said she came as a stray when she was only young. We imagine about 15 years ago. I just noticed recently, as he's walking along inside the house, because he's always been a house cat, the claws sort of catch on the carpet, and when she jumps up on the lounge, it catches on the lounge cushion and mm-hmm. sits on my foot, on my knees, and catches on my pack pants or something, you know. Yeah, okay. Is um is she does she use a scratching post or anything like that? I've got a, I have I have got one inside. She does use it a little bit, but do you think she uses it less now than maybe she used to when she was younger? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Look, I mean, the easy thing probably to do, Bruce, is either cut on nail, cut her nails, or take her to the vet um to get them to trim them. Particularly, did you say she's an indoor cat? Indoor, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. The immediate issue is certainly we can cut them and keep them nice and short or you can do that at home. And Because uh, I guess as, as an older cat, she's probably doing less activity. She's probably wearing those claws down less and maybe choosing to do less activity. So it might be just a little bit of TLC and maybe a manicure every, manicure every now and then would um, would be helpful for her, I think. All right. 
I used to have a dog and we used to trim their nails, but I didn't think cats <laughs> had their nails trimmed. You look, in certain circumstances, it's an appropriate thing to do. And I think given that she's an old girl who's an indoor cat, I, I would be quite happy to do that. All right, Bruce, uh, best of luck with all of that and indeed uh, your cat as well. And I think that's that, that might be a, a thing for us to keep in mind, Fiona, as well, that, I mean, as situations change, as activities change, in this case, the cat's doing less, so... The, the, the part yeah. of the, the the body, the claws that would have been worn down, they're not so much these days. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And look, there's certain circumstances that I wouldn't cut a cat's claws, um, particularly if a cat spends a bit of time outside. We don't want to um, we don't want to remove their means of escaping from a dog, for example. Um, but I think definitely in Bruce's situation, it would be the right thing to do. All right, uh, team, we've run out of time. So, Dr. Fiona, thank you for coming in. So you, thank you. First one for you by yourself. So you think you, you were able to survive all of that today? <laughs> oh, look, you were all very kind. <laughs> and uh, Cheryl Shaw, uh, again, we'll look. Yes, you're back next week as well. Back next week. Any uh, insight on what you might be covering topic-wise? Uh, secret. It's a secret. <laughs> all right, thanks, uh, guys. Uh, ladies, we'll uh, catch you next time around. Thanks, Mark. See you later.